want you to know that the battle is real that we've been talking about. You may be aware of an incident that happened this past week, and you may not. But there was a pastor of an extremely large church, a mega church in California, who took his life this past week. His name was Andrew. His wife was Kayla. And I want to read part of her letter that she wrote to her husband. I won't read it all. It just breaks your heart. But I want you to listen to this part. I didn't understand how real and how relentless the spiritual attacks were. The pain, the fear, and the turmoil you must have been dealing with every single day is unimaginable. The enemy knew what an amazing man you were. The enemy knew God had huge plans for your life. The enemy saw how God was using your gifts, abilities, and unique teaching style to reach thousands of lives for him. The enemy halted it and pursued you increasingly or incessantly, taunting you and torturing you in ways that you were unable to express to anyone. Andrew... I want to tell you from the depths of my heart and my pain, I am so sorry. I am so sorry you were scared. I am so sorry you felt so alone. I am so sorry you felt misunderstood. I am so sorry you felt betrayed and deeply hurt by the words and actions of others. I am so sorry you were fighting dark spiritual wars virtually alone. I want to tell you the enemy is real. It's not just something that you and I have cooked up. This is God's Word. And I want you to know that he is real. And just like he came after that pastor, he'll come after you. He'll come after me. The enemy brings constant pressure all the time on your life and my life. Ephesians 6 verse 12 tells us, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but we do wrestle. I want you to know we wrestle. We have to ask ourselves in this hand-to-hand combat, do I really believe there is a battle going on? Do I really want to fight in this battle? Do I care about this battle? And what am I going to do in this battle? That's what Ephesians 6 is all about. 
And unless we prepare ourselves for the enemy, I want you to know the enemy will take your life. He'll take your life if he possibly can. And unless we prepare, we cannot get past the failings and sin and the falling into sin. We cannot get past our habits and our thoughts. We cannot get over our temper and our grudges. We cannot move past our unforgiveness. We cannot get past the pain unless we put on the armor that God has provided for us. The first piece of armor that we put on was the sturdy belt of truth. It girds around the waist. It is the foundation for all of this. We've been told that Satan's primary advance and temptation against us is deception. He is a master liar. And the only hope against a lie is the truth. The only hope whatsoever. And so, I must have truth. Not what I assume is truth, not what is politically correct, not what I feel is right, but the truth is a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is truth that I must know and have in my life. Jesus said, I am truth. So I must have the truth of God, but I also must have that truth in me. I must be true. Are you true? Or are you just faking it? Is it real or artificial? And then there is the second piece of armor that we've been looking at. The breastplate of righteousness. This piece of armor protects our chest, the most vulnerable spot and the most dangerous place to be hit on our body. My heart must be protected. Am I right before God and am I right before others? That's the righteousness that the heart is supposed to have. I do not have any righteousness of my own except self-righteousness. But God, in His mercy and grace, has made His righteousness available to account for me to to draw upon so I can have His righteousness. Now the third piece of armor that we're going to look at this morning. In Ephesians 6, if you have your copy of God's Word, I hope you will turn to Ephesians 6, and we're going to begin reading at the 10th verse through the 15th. I want to ask you to stand, if you would, one more time and follow along as I read aloud from God's Word. Listen to what His Word says. So finally, verse 10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand and in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. 
Verse 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt plate or the belt of truth and the having on the breastplate of righteousness. And then verse 15, the Bible says, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness, that means the firm fitting, the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Given by the gospel of peace. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, I've just been overwhelmed by your presence and your authority and your sovereignty. And Father, like Peter preached so long ago, under the anointing of your Spirit, and souls came to know you, many. I pray for myself and for brothers who proclaim the word all across this nation that we too would have that anointing this morning. Oh God, I pray for that. And Father, my prayer this morning also is to help those who are hungering and thirsting after you to know you, to receive you, and who thirst will have life. That's my prayer. So, Father, this morning, this is your service. May you be glorified. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Some years ago, because of back problems, I began to develop an extreme pain in my ankles and in my feet. And I remember buying a cushion to go in my shoes. And so the Sunday morning when I was getting ready to preach, I had put my shoes on the cushion in those shoes and I would come up on the platform and I stood here and I wasn't here very long until I realized that every step I took was rolling back a piece of tissue on my heels and on my toes of my feet. Do you know what it's like to preach like you're enjoying it? When you got pain, you can't hardly stand? I couldn't take my shoes off right then. When it was finally over and I got home and I took my shoes off, I could hardly pull my socks off because the wounds on my toes and on my heels had bled until my socks were stuck to my foot. And right then and right there, I found out you better have on the right kind of shoes if you're going to do battle. You can't if you don't have 
on the right shoes. The belt of truth is the believer's purity. The breastplate of righteousness that we talked about last week is the believer's integrity. But now the boots of the gospel of peace that we're going to talk about is the believer's tranquility, peace in the middle of a storm. That's what we're talking about. Without the boots, you cannot do combat. Now you saw in the video a while ago, and maybe you caught that, that for the Roman soldier, like the apostle Paul was chained to, for that Roman soldier, his boot was a piece of leather, a thick piece of leather. And that thick piece of leather was strapped to his lower leg with leather thongs many, many times to secure it. And then you may have seen, if you remember in the video, that was called a half boot. But those who were wearing it would put a shin guard that would go over the top of the foot and protect the toes. And when that piece was in place, they had some protection. Let me tell you something else that you didn't see. Each one of those soles, which were called a half boot, there would be nails, hobnailed through the leather sole because they were on rough terrain and just like spikes in a baseball shoe, those hobnails would add stability when they came to rough terrain to do battle. So the boot, the right kind of boot, was an essential part of the armor. Historians tell us that Alexander the Great was the first general to put good shoes on his warriors. And Rome followed and mimicked not only the footwear, but the war patterns that Alexander the Great had left. So this is the concept with this boot, the gospel of peace, is the concept of having firm footing when you do battle with the enemy. We're told to stand. And you can't stand if you don't have on the right kind of gear. Remember, it's our personal duty. It is our primary duty. It's our paramount duty. It is our perpetual duty to put on every piece of armor again and again and again. We cannot go without it. The enemy is always there. Verse 15 that we read a moment ago says and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel peace. Now the Bible tells us in this verse, and what we're looking at, we're talking about the gospel of peace. 
And does it not seem a little strange that when you're in hand-to-hand combat with the enemy to be talking about peace? You don't think about peace when you're in war. But that's exactly what God wants us to think about and to know about. The word gospel, you know, means the good news. And so what we're talking about is the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of peace, the good news of peace. That's what we need. And that's what this piece of armor is all about. We're fitted with that for the readiness to do battle, to have the stability that we need. We said that Satan is a destroyer. He tries to destroy peace. And he does it quite well. He destroys peace by bringing division between men. He destroys peace by bringing division in his church. He destroys peace by bringing division between God and man. That's his desire. He delights in destroying peace. And so God says we're to put on the good news, the gospel of peace, the good news of peace. Bad news will get you ready for defeat. Good news keeps you standing firm. So this piece of armor is peace. How do these fit together? First of all, on your outline, I want to show you some things. The relationship, write that in, of the shoes and the rest of the armor. It just fits like it's supposed to fit. The first piece of armor is the belt of truth. We're to put on the belt of truth. But the next piece is the piece of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. The truth brings us righteousness, God's righteousness that He offers to us. And then this righteousness results in peace. If I do not have God's righteousness, I have no peace. So now I have that peace because of this these pieces of armor that I have put on. God's Word says in Romans 3.22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And that righteousness brings peace. We're to remember that in Christ we have peace. Ephesians 2.14, for He Himself is our peace. Remember, all these pieces of armor is Jesus Christ Himself. That's who we're to put on. Now, when the shoes of the good news of peace are in place, number one underneath that on your outline, there will be stability. We're in a battle. The terrain is tough. It's slippery. These shoes give us the stability to stand in hand-to-hand combat. Do you know people who seem to have trouble when it comes to making decisions, when it comes to their thoughts and their attitudes? It seems that their emotions will sway back and forth between one point and another point, never seeming to be able to settle it. 
James says about such a person, he is double-minded. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways, God says. Tom Brokaw, news commentator, who was the top anchor for the Today Show for several years, was just propelled into stardom when he took that job. And when he took that job, people knew who he was. And he relates the story of one time being there in New York at Bloomingdale's. And he was looking at something and he caught the corner out of his, of his eye, out of the corner of his eye, a man that was looking at him. And he said, I knew he knew who I was. He was just trying to put it all together. And after a while, this man comes up to Tom Brokaw and he says to him, he says, you're Tom Brokaw, aren't you? And Tom said, I just sort of swelled up on the inside and said, yes, I am. And the man went on to say, didn't you used to be on KMTV out of Omaha? And he said, Brokaw said, this really swelled me up. This guy knew my history. I felt good about that. And then the man turned to him and said, Whatever became of you, Tom Brokaw? (laughs) You know, people can just make us go up and they can just make us go down. Satan knows that by what they say and what they do. And sometimes our day is just fixed around what somebody says or what they've done. But when we put on the shoes of the gospel, the good news of peace, we have stability and we're able to stand. Not only do we have stability, the second thing I want you to see is we have balance. In ancient as well as modern warfare, the enemy has always tried to put down weapons that would hurt or destroy the feet as the soldiers came along in certain places so that they could not walk, they could not move on their feet after that. We, if our feet are wounded... We lose our balance. We cannot fight anymore. We cannot walk anymore. We are out of balance. And Satan will try to cripple those of us who follow God so that we will be out of balance. You cannot go into the battle out of balance. That's what he's telling us. We're to have that balance. We get balance from that shoe, that boot that we put on. Second Peter 3.17 says, take care that you are not carried away with the era of lawless people and lose your own stability. Friend, you can get out of balance in a ministry. You can get out of balance from the Word of God. You can get out of balance from a lot of things. And God says, make sure you don't lose your stability. That's the relationship of the shoes to the rest of the armor. But let me give you the second thing on your outline that I want you to note about these shoes. I want you to know the requirement of these shoes for the armor. The requirement, you have to have them on. You cannot have peace and you cannot fight without this on as it should be. You can't do it. So God's telling us, put these on so that you'll have what you need in battle. You won't be wounded and you won't be hurt. Let me share with you what he says. Luke 21, 26. This is why we've got to have that peace. 
from those shoes. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. Friend, that's the world we live in. That's the world we live in. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Do you know that as a nation, we spend $42 billion a year on anti-anxiety medication? $42 billion. There's 40 million adults between the ages of 18 and 54 who use anti-anxiety medication. Why? Because people are fainting with fear and with foreboding as to what is coming in the world. It's a lot of fear, a lot of pain. Men faint from fear. What God's Word telling us. Now here's men and women who are fainting from fear and you and I as God's children are to have peace. We're to have a ministry to those who are in fear, but how can we have a ministry if we too are fainting, if we too have, do not have the peace of the gospel of these shoes in our life? How can we do that? We cannot do that if our heart's not settled, if we're not meeting the need and know the assurance of God in our life and in the walk that we have. Without the shoes, we're not fitted for battle. Not at all. Matthew 6, God's Word reminds us of His intimate care for each of us. Let me just go through some of these real quick. First of all, number one, without the gospel of peace, these shoes that give us the gospel of peace, we're ungrateful. Matthew 6, verse 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor what or what are not about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? That last question is sort of rhetorical. What he's saying is, don't be ungrateful for the provisions you have. Don't worry about the other things Don't be ungrateful. God's taking care of those things. And when we worry about them, we're ungrateful. If you don't have your shoes on, if I don't have my shoes on, then I don't have the peace and I'll not be able to fight in the battle. I'll be ungrateful. I can't fight for the Lord if I'm not trusting Him. There's a second thing. Without these shoes We're unreasonable. Verse 26 of Matthew 6 says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than the birds? Are you not more valuable than the birds? If there was ever anything on God's welfare roll, it's a bird. God says, I'll take care of you. Would I take care of a bird and not take care of you that I have bought with my own blood? We don't know that if we do not have these shoes of the gospel of peace on us. That's what he's saying. There's another one, the third one there. Without our shoes, we're unproductive. I believe that explains a lot of what's lacking in our churches. Matthew 6 verse 27 says that We can't operate 
in the realm of peace if we do not have them on. And if I choose to get over where there is no peace, if I choose to live my life in the middle of worry and anxiety and all the pain that goes with that, then my friend, I'm in trouble. Listen to Matthew 6 verse 27, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? You can't add 60 little minutes by worrying. But when you're worrying, you're unproductive. It's what God's telling us. 80% of what I worry about never happens. The other 20% is inconsequential. Why should I use up that energy in worrying about that? The point is, if I do not have the shoes of the gospel of peace on my feet and fitted to be able to stand in the battle, then I am going to be unproductive. Nothing in my life can be done. Without these shoes, I'm unchristian. Did you know that? I'm unchristian. Look at verses 31 and 32. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying that, you, that what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles... Now, Gentiles are pagans. They're unbelievers. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. When I get to the place that I'm worrying about these, I'm like an unbeliever. The world can't see any difference in my life than the unbeliever's life. And I get hung up on all the basics, and I cannot minister to a world that's hurting because I do not have on the boots. I'm no different from the world. I want you to see, last of all, without these shoes, I'm unprepared. Verses 33 and 34 of Matthew 6 say, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God said, cast your burden upon the Lord and He will sustain you. He'll take care of you. That's it. I must not go into battle without these shoes of the gospel of peace on my feet. I can't fight in that battle if I don't have them on. We've looked at the relationship. We've looked at the requirement. How do you get these boots? This is the last thing I want you to see. If you're in the army, some of you have been, you know that you requisition your boots. That's how you get them. And you have to requisition these boots as well. How do you requisition them? There's two or three ways I want to give these to you. First of all, I must meet the author of peace. You're not going to have those boots until you first meet the author of peace. Who is the author of peace? Some of us don't have peace because we've never met that author. Listen to what God's Word says. 1 Corinthians 14.33 For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. That's the author of peace. That's who we have to meet. The God of peace. The very God of peace. He's called again and again. When God provided us with this armor that we're putting on and that we're seeing, He made Himself available to us that we might put Him on and that we might wear Him like a cloak around us. Once you know Him, you have peace. Once you have Him on, you have peace. If you're without Christ, you do not have peace. The Bible says, in fact, you're an enemy. You're at war with God. Do you know what it's like to be at war with God? You'll never win. But in addition to not winning, you'll never have peace. You're at enmity with Him until you know Him and you meet Him 
the God of peace. That's who we're talking about. Goodness. Until you repent of sin, until you repent of trying to run your own life, until you repent of doing war with God, and you confess, and by faith you turn and receive Him, when you do, He will come in, and friend, when He comes in, He's going to bring peace. He's going to bring peace. You're going to have peace. Therefore, having been justified by faith, Romans 5.1 says, we have peace. We have peace. So you have to meet the author of peace, but there's something else you have to do if you're going to have these boots on and be able to stand. I must meditate. Write that in. I must meditate on the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 26.3 you will keep him in perfect peace. Perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on you. You have to meditate on the Prince of Peace. Your mind has to be stayed on him. In the Hebrew, that verse in Isaiah says, he will keep you in peace, peace. Two pieces who know the mind of God, who stayed on their mind is stayed on God. We keep our mind on everything else, don't we? But he says our mind is to be stayed on him by coming to know Christ and by meditating on him. I have that peace. Do you have it? Let me give you another thing. I must manifest that peace. That means I must exhibit it. I must make it known. The spirit of peace in my life. I talked about this this morning in my class that I taught. We're to make it known, exhibit it. The Bible says that peace is inevitable when we know Jesus Christ because we are controlled by the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit of God controls us, He produces the fruit of peace in our life. He, we have that peace in our life. It's what He does. When I receive Christ on the basis of faith and I surrender my life to Him, God's Spirit takes control. I put on the piece of armor daily. I confess sin that I know and the Holy Spirit takes control and produces peace in my life. Let me give you one last thing. We said a while ago we must meditate on it, but we must meditate on it, but we must do something else. We must memorize. Memorize the word of peace. This is simple and easy to pass over if you don't watch it. Psalms 119, verse 165. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. Boy, that's a promise, isn't it? Nothing causes them to stumble. What do you mean, Kent? What is that talking about? Here's what we're talking about. When you begin to meditate on the Word of God and you begin to commit it to memory. Now, I know that turns off everybody over 30 years old. But when you begin to commit it to memory, 
Don't tell me you can't memorize scripture. You know your phone number? The reason you don't memorize scripture is you have no idea what's waiting for you if you did. When you memorize scripture, God puts it in your heart. And when the day of evil comes, we talked about that, remember? When you find yourself in hand-to-hand combat with the enemy, and it could come anytime, it may be here right now, when you come to that place in your life, you know what God will do when you have committed to memory His Word? He'll bring what you've committed to memory back up on the screen of your mind. You'll see it. And you can take it out like a sword and you can use it in the face of the enemy. But friend, let me tell you something. If you've not committed to memory, the Holy Spirit don't have anything He can work with in your life. Do you listen to what I'm saying? You know what they say about computers in? Junk in, junk out. You don't put anything in your mind for the Holy Spirit to work with. Nothing's going to come out. Oh, friend, get in the Word. Memorize the Word. Go over it and over it and over it until you commit it to memory so that He can pull that out, bring it back upon your mind. Truth we've committed to heart and to memory is truth that He'll flash across our mind. How do you measure a life? Colossians 3.15, this is some life application. And let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. I wonder how many people listening to me this morning, looking to me, or looking at me and listening, could say, oh, if I could have peace. Oh, if I could just have peace. He says in that verse that the peace of Christ will rule in your heart. You remember what kind of peace Christ had? You remember when they were getting ready to crucify him, he had peace? That's the kind of peace. With that kind of peace in your heart, you can cradle your your pillow at night not worrying about what's going to come tomorrow morning. That's the kind of peace we're talking about. He wants to give it to you. John 14, 27, My peace I give to you, he says. That's his promise. My peace. We experience peace in proportion to the control we give God's Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? Do you really understand it? That's what he wants to give us. This morning, friend, God wants you to have those shoes of peace. He gives them to you. Would you put those on? The good news, the good news of peace. Some this morning have never asked Christ to save you. You're in this congregation this morning and you know that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you didn't know you was that enemy with God, but you are an enemy of His. There's enmity between you and He. This morning, would you say, Oh God, forgive me. 
Would you ask God to save you? Would you, in real, real concern and desire, say, God, forgive me and save me. I give my life to you. If you don't understand, would you give us that opportunity to pray with you, to share with you what God's Word says? Oh, you don't know. You don't know when life may end. You have no knowledge. All you can do is be prepared. Friend, this church has just been shocked in the last few hours about death and its sudden, unannounced coming. Would you this morning say, Oh, God, save me. Don't you pass this moment. Some of you may have received him, but you've never told anybody. God says we're to publicly proclaim His salvation, what He's done for us. Would you this morning just come telling us what God's done in your life? Maybe you've never followed in scriptural baptism. Whatever it is in your life that God's dealing with you, it may just be the need for peace. Would you just ask God for that peace? Would you requisition that peace that He wants to give you? It starts by saying yes. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to have our invitation in a moment. But oh, friend, I've been praying that God would deal in hearts because there are so many who don't have peace. Would you this morning say yes? to a God who loves you so much. Father, I pray.